Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Can you hear how, apart from being echoey in this uh, hotel room in Leeds, apologies, um, can you hear how relaxed I am? Well, I wish I could turn back the clock and I was this relaxed before I recorded this week's episode with Prasanna Purunaraja because I was slightly upset with... Leeds City Centre, not Leeds, not Leeds, not Leeds City Centre, just me driving around Leeds City Centre, that was, uh, I had to vent at the at the top of this week's episode with Brasano and he was uh, an absolute gentleman and uh, helped me out with that, but I, uh, I was about to go out for some dinner and I thought I need to just pop the telly on, see what's on, and that lovely painting show with Bob Ross was on BBC Four, and I sort of swam in his creativity for half an hour or so when he was painting a lovely sunset by a lake with a log cabin. I think we all need a little bit of that to unwind in our lives. It was lovely, it was dead nice, I really needed that. Um, But enough of my driving uh, one-way system stress. Um, That's not what this episode is about, it's about Frisana. Um, And I'm so pleased that he could join us. It's really fascinating, this one, and it links back. Do you remember... um, in year one, oh my God, all those years ago, we went round to Danny's house. Now, it's not Danny Mays, it's not any of the Dans or Daniels that we had on him. It was just called Danny. He didn't want to give his surname. It was uh, an actor who hadn't trained, who kind of fell into the business, and then kind of got sucked up with the acting and decided to knock it all on the head and retrain. It's a really fantastic episode. If you saw the piece by Miranda Sawyer in The Observer, she highlighted this as as a a top episode in uh, her list of the top 20 best independent podcasts. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, you've got to support independent podcasts um well yeah so in the reverse you'll hear what Rosanna did was train at oxford uh study medicine for six years and became a junior doctor and then decided to leave all that behind and dive into the acting and directing world. Uh, it's a fantastic conversation, this, and it's the first time we've met. I've been a big fan of his. He's brilliant. You've seen him in Critical, that Jed 
uh, created and wrote, and also uh, the last episode, the last episode, the last series of Line of Duty, um, which I was hoping for more of him in, to be honest, because he's such a handsome and magnetic presence on screen. And I'm sure you've seen him in uh, many, many theatre productions. But, um, and yeah, it does get a bit actory, this. Not in a self-congratulatory way, not at all. It's, we just have a proper conversation and get into it. And I do touch on um, a, an email, a statement that Equity, the Actors' Union, um, sent out last week. It will be, you'll listen to this last week. Uh, and I'll talk about that. I'll do some bullet points on that on the outro if you're interested. If not, then just skip it. If it's not for you, don't worry about it. But it's all about... Um, What's it about? Well, it's about self-taping, but it's about uh, sort of codes of conduct with regards to self-taping, and not just for actors, but for casting directors and agents and things like that. But I'll, I'll run through it um, very, very briefly in, in the outro, so don't worry. But um, yeah, let's get into this. This is the Two Shot Podcast with the fantastic Brasana Prunaraja. Prasanna, I never want to kick off these conversations uh, with any sort of negativity. Um, but right now, driving in Leeds City Centre can get fucked. I've just, been <laughs> for a, I've just been for a COVID test at, at the production office, which is not, you know, not that far out of Leeds City Centre. And then I had to drive from there back to this hotel, which is in Leeds City Centre. Um, now... Lots of one-way systems, always a problem. I'm very much a very calm, calm driver. You know, when things are are out of my control as a driver, you just go, well, we're stuck here, there's nothing we can do. And then there was roadworks, one-way systems. It took me the exact amount of time that I've just driven from Manchester to Leeds than it did take me from from the the production office in Leeds to Leeds City Centre to get into the hotel. Is that where you're from? Did you grow up in Manchester? No, I grew up in Blackpool. Okay, um, so I mean, yeah, you're, but, you're also just the wrong the wrong side of the Pennines and everything, aren't you? Well, just... I don't want to offend any of our Yorkshire listeners. They know how much I love Yorkshire, but yes, I am on the wrong side of the Pennines, and I just want to just just vent it now <laughs> before it. I don't want it to bleed into our conversation. Just let it out, man. I'm let, it let, out. let it out. I'm here for you. I'm here for um, you. That, well, that's the only reason why I got you here just to vent because obviously <laughs> my therapist <laughs> yeah. is away. I think so. I, I don't know. Well, she you know, and I'm free, and I'm free. There we go. I, I'm, that's what I want. Crushingly um, available. <laughs> uh, Prasanna, how are you, man? I'm very well. It's lovely to meet you. It's, it's lovely, lovely to, meet to meet you. you. I'm I'm very surprised that our paths haven't crossed. Considering, I know. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like I feel like I've well, I I feel like our paths have crossed. Of course, because mm. you've sort of been in my living room for many years in uh, in in Jed's show, <laughs> yeah, um, which I I love, of course, and you were brilliant in. But um, yeah, so it's kind of. Brilliant and trippy to see you. So well, congrats, congrats um, on that, I would say. Well, uh, I'm sorry about work. my backdrop being a, a quite a drab um, Leeds hotel. I'm not going to name the hotel. I'm just going to get it. <laughs> That's the last bit of negativity before before. Let's just move on. Let's move on from this now. Um, now, I'm always not always, but it's a slight over exaggeration. When I'm talking to sort of younger drama students, 
or even younger people who who are wanting to train and don't know how to get into it or can't afford to train, um, I always have to reiterate, you know, what a precarious business and, you know, it's quite unstable and you're constantly walking a a tightrope that they're getting into and they need to prepare themselves for that. Um, Now, I, I always talk about the lack of stability with this job and, and uncertainty and, you know, sometimes unease. Why did you give such a stable life up? Having trained at Oxford, you know, <laughs> qualified as a doctor. And were you a doctor for around, what, three years? Three years, four years, yeah. And then you just went, right, I'm going to give up this, what I worked really hard at, and dive into... apart from the music industry, probably one of the most precarious uh, occupations going. Yeah. I mean, now that you put it like that, it's a terrible (laughs) idea, isn't it? (laughs) And there there, we thought Craig had been done with all this negativity. Exactly. throws it in. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's a few things about that. I mean, I think like a lot of professional journeys, it didn't happen quickly. So it was a kind of slow fade across I think from working in that space finding it really hard Mm. really hard um and discovering that I just preferred who I was when I wasn't doing it um did you find yourself bringing the job home with you at night was that what you meant yeah I mean the job was your was everything was home from your waking moment back round to your waking moment, very often preoccupying your mind at night. You know, yeah. I, mean, I, I, would, I would be in, you know, the little corridor by the bogs in a pub? Yeah. I'd be in that corridor asking, phoning the ward, asking for someone's blood result that I'd been waiting for on a weekend. Oh, my God. You know, the kind of level of... And that's prob- that probably says more about me, I think. that I mean, that isn't good medicine necessarily but it's just about the ability that you know that these things have to like completely take over your life yeah i am i'm always in, in so much awe in with the the nurses and doctors that i've met over the years for all sorts of reasons um but primarily about how they can switch off a lot of them say oh i, I will once the job finishes i'll just go home and i don't let it bleed into my personal life and i just think how can you not? Because yeah. of the very nature of what you do day in, day out, none more so than the last 18 months, I mean. I think it, I, this is the thing that I couldn't answer for myself, actually, if I'm honest. So I was like, how do, you, how do you do this for 45 years and not end up kind of a bit wrecked, really? Broken, I should yeah, imagine. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, I mean, what, what's been really devastating talking to colleagues in the health service over the last year is that I think people had a kind of handle on that a little bit you know I mean there's no there is no kind of PTSD uh, therapeutic space really in the health service there's no kind of I mean that you do in some specialties get a kind of access to that space I think Um, but in the main it's kind of not there Mm. Um, so it all hangs a little bit by a thread and then something like the pandemic comes along and it is, uh, it's an enormous stressor 
on people who are kind of at the edge of it anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think then you saw all of those healthcare professionals that we all saw online uh, and in the news uh, suddenly kind of pushed into this extremist, really. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's. I mean, I, I I don't know how I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, I I I volunteered to go back, and the health service said no, thank you. Did they really? <laughs> yeah. So um, I mean, it, like 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 everything, you know, there's there's sort of nothing about being an actor that being a doctor isn't sort of scarier. <laughs> but, but I think. I think, you know, get, getting a no thank you from the health service in a pandemic is a, I mean, there's no rejection quite like that. So, so um, you know, once again, it's kind of prepared me a little bit for the work that I do now. But yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people who who had either left medicine or recently retired or whatever, uh, who, who were like, well, I think I should probably head back. And in those early months, and we're talking kind of March, April last year, mm-hmm. uh, when... Uh, I think the healthcare was the healthcare. Um, so the, the health service was looking at um, northern Italy and looking at the situation there and kind of going, if it ends up being that here, we are going to need everyone. All hands on deck. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know those Nightingale hospitals, which were uh, which were all built around the time, if they're needed, you know, if four thousand beds are needed in East London, then you know there's that. I mean, I think in the end it ended up not being the case that the health service knew quite how to use those beds and those services. I think there were ways of doing it that were to do with like rehabilitation and like preparing people for return back to the community and stuff. But, um, but yeah, so, so that was um, a kind of weird, like 10 years on reminder of that space, I guess. Like I I got re-registered by the GMC to practice again, and was kind of looking through old books and stuff, you know, um, and kind of really anxious about it. Yeah, <laughs> really I can only but imagine. Because, um, I, you know, I, I don't. Th- I think like all the people that I trained with are now basically consultants or kind of senior registrars, but like highly capable people mm-hmm. in that space. And, you know, the, the, the nurses and physios that I know are working, doing incredible things. And, and I feel, I still feel a bit kind of, frozen in time as a terrified junior doctor you know as a in terms of like that career it's sort of like I think you know actors who stop acting because they can't step on stage one night or something yeah I mean yeah 10 10 years on if you're in the wings you 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 don't go to where you would have been in 10 years time you go back to that night oh absolutely yeah so so yeah so I wasn't really um I mean, when they were like, we don't really know where to place you, I was kind of like, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I, I basically, when I was training, they were still using leeches. And <laughs> wow, know. yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I was a bit behind, mm-hmm. definitely. But, um, yeah, I, so, you know. I kind of jumped in uh, there. So just for listeners who, just to get them up to speed... Acted and training to be an actor, and wasn't really on the cards because it was it was going to Oxford, wasn't it? To to, well, to train. When I was um, sort of sixteen, I wanted to be an architect. Right. Um, and I've always uh, I've always drawn things and kind of weirdly been like kind of obsessed with buildings. Um, 
and uh, and basically, I was sort of told at the age of sixteen that you had to be good at physics to be an architect, and and um, which just just for the record is not true, <laughs> <laughs> and just for the record was true about me that I wasn't breaking. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well maybe I won't do that then. Um, and um, you know, medicine was sciency and a social science in some mm-hmm. ways it's a vocational thing it's a kind of it's a thing that looks to add value to the society that you're in there were all things that I felt actually looking back and I'm not sure if I was quite characterizing it like this in my head but all the things that I felt about architecture like the the, the building of public spaces the building of environments that people want to live in that make them feel happy and productive at home and at work all of those things were, were, were important to me, the ergonomics mm-hmm. of how a life is lived, you know, and, and medicine was just like another thing in that space. Um, and um, yeah, so it was a kind of bit, a bit of a sort of roundabout route to it. But, um, you know, my mum, my mum worked in the, uh, both my parents worked in the health service, actually, my mum is a doctor and, and still is a doctor into her mid 70s. She should have retired 20 years ago as a as a drug and alcohol dependency psychiatrist in prisons. Um, but she's kind of so good at a very, very niche job that they, they sort of wouldn't let her leave. They were like, we don't want a riot on our hands, so if you wouldn't mind just sticking around. And, and, so she, and she loves it. She's really good at her job. But, you know, she sort of said, I don't really know why you want to do this. I mean, she was in the health service in the 80s and, you know, as a, as a migrant, as a... Sri Lankan person as a woman in the health service in the 70s and 80s you know she was like it's a tough institutional space to be in and I think it's that thing I mean I've talked to a lot of people about this who are kind of third culture people I guess Mm. like people who you know um and you know I think my parents had kind of come here going maybe you don't have to do the things that we did you know that that whole thing yeah so obviously being a dick at the age of 17 I was like well I will, no, I will. <laughs> you know what I mean? um, yeah and um, no it wasn't it wasn't that but I mean I think there was an uh it, it was something that I I, I was and, and remain fascinated by um it's just a thing I think like after six years of training four years of doing it you just sort of go I are, you know am I going to make it to 65 but also like is this I don't know, like you can, you can think you're going to be right for something mm-hmm. and discover that it's not right for you. Oh, absolutely. Or, or you're not right for it. And it's, and I guess like some people kind of go, oh my God, you trained for so long. You like worked for so long. And I'm like, yeah, but like 10 years, it's like a, it's like a chapter in a life, isn't it? You yeah. Know what I mean, um, and I've been out now as long as I spent doing it. 10 years. Mm. So it's another chapter. Yeah. You know, I turned 40 this year. So um, it feels like a kind of good era in my life. I feel like, I don't know, I used, I, I used to have this like terrible, terrible guilt about not doing it, you know? What, after, after you quit? Yeah, after I left. And I, I think I have that less now. I mean, it, it resurfaced a bit last year. Um, hence the the sort of attempts to go back. You uh-huh. know? Um, and even after that, I was kind of going, well, I must be useful for something, even if it's talking to patients' relatives or, or you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just that sense of, like, 
being prepared for something that you then don't give yourself to is quite a thing that you've got to navigate, I suppose. Um, so what was the jumping off point for you? Was it the fact that you were touching on earlier about not being able to cut off and bringing your work home with you? Or it, it, it suppose, did it impact you emotionally? I suppose it must have done. That's a bit of a silly question, isn't it? It really does. I mean, I... Like, I recently dug out a monologue that I wrote a couple of years ago about one of... a couple of experiences around that time, and I realised just how much I haven't really thought them through and really kind of got into what they were as, like, uh, moulding experiences around your own... uh, your own actions, your own professional frailties around broader speaking, like human frailty around you that as a junior doctor, you can't avoid. Mm. Um, And you really have this sense of like, everything you do as a junior doctor is kind of your fault. And it really isn't, you know, it's there. It's just very difficult to feel the institution around you also failing as you fail. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, So yeah, I mean, that that stuff was really hard. And I think I've kind of come to recharacterize that the older I get and the more I work in our space. And I kind of see people who are brand new at what we do experiencing those things in their own way that are specific to our work, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and and those insecurities and those struggles and, and they're, they're, not, they're just not the same ones, but they reside in the same place in those people, you know? Absolutely. Um, and they're just, they can be just as hard as 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 those other things that I had to to experience subjectively. Um, and you know that those things settle with time and they recharacterize with time and you go, it's okay, you know, like you don't have to have been good at it straight no. away. It's all right. And it wasn't your fault that you weren't and all those things, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, those things kind of, I've some of that stuff is retrospectively healed, but you know, a lot of it, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, I guess, you you know, the, the people that I think did really well in the health service are the people who can just really treat the patient in front of them and, and look at the problem in front of them as the kind of beginning and end of their intervention in that moment, rather than asking why this has come to pass. Right, okay. You know, yeah. um, and, you know, the, the like the, the John Radcliffe in Oxford, um, which I spent two years at, uh, working as a junior doctor, um, sees coming through its doors a kind of very secret poverty that you wouldn't necessarily expect when you hear the word Oxford. You mm-hmm. would sort of think that it's kind of a wealthy place, but it's a weirdly ghettoized city. And it has a really quite steep wealth gradient, as you can imagine. And, and, and it has a concurrently running social gradient that is really steep. And so... You know, you see really kind of, uh, I guess you see, you see kind of the struggles of the elderly, for example, in that, in that environment, you know, people who are really kind of neglected and coming through the doors. And it's, it's those, those, like, you know, a hospital is, is the closest you get to experiencing um, the, I guess, the kind of, the things that a society is getting wrong. Right. Written on the bodies of people, you know, Um, and where those hospitals are, you really get a sense of that community, that locale and the particular failings, I guess, of those spaces. So, 
Yeah, I mean... And it's there. It's it's right it's there. there for it's you there. to see. You know, you get, like, on the one hand, like, I remember treating one guy who'd, who'd um, cut his hand open because he was using a scythe to trim his hedge, and he was so delighted that he wasn't using electricity to trim his hedge. Um, And I was like, well, you're using electricity now, man, because you're in here and... <laughs> <laughs> Your yeah. carbon footprint has gone through the roof. <laughs> right right the way through to, on the other hand, you know, as I say, like, um, you know, elderly patients who came in with no relatives found on the floor of their houses after a couple of days by a, a concerned neighbour oh, who then don't really have a place to go once you've sort of helped them through that little bit of whatever it was that caused that. Um, or any you know, sort of support network. Any, any support I mean, network, so... It's really hard. So, so, and it's really hard that if you're looking at the rest of it going, why is it like this? You know, it, it's hard to just go down to A&E again and get the next, the next one. There's um, so many questions that just don't have an answer. And, yeah, uh, you know, exactly, and you can exactly. just keep asking those questions and it's going to impact your health. Exactly. There will be, there will be a question waiting for you at every point for 50 years, you know? And I think, like, like in a way, like, maybe I should have been looking at doing general practice or doing a kind of, you know, some a, a type of medicine that was more, like, closely embedded in things that happen at a community level rather than the, I guess, the action stations of a teaching hospital, which is yeah. you really are dealing with it once it's happened, you know? Um, I know a lot of doctors who ended up going into either sort of public health medicine or weirdly like anaesthetics. They're like, I just, I'm just going to put people to sleep so that other medicine can happen. Yeah. And I'm going to look after them while that's happening. You, do you know what I mean? There was a yeah. kind of adja- adjacency to the way that they wanted to practice because actually sometimes being right up close to it is just really, really tough. So, um, did you did you never think when you were having sort of doubts of continuing in that field whether you should just sort of branch off into a, a different field of of medicine? Yeah, I did. I mean, I wanted to work in um, in a, a pediatric ear, nose, and throat specialty, basically because you know I liked I liked working with kids. I liked the kind of developmental aspects of medicine. Um, I, also because it was just down the end of the corridor. It's like you, you you would spend a morning dealing with the medical and social questions around a child, their family, their school, their social worker, their, you know, all of those things would just be like kind of a single question hmm. um, rather than 50 patients on a ward round trying to, you know, all of that. But um, yeah, I guess like it was tough because like I didn't, you get into sort of surgical training programs it's quite weird because you don't always like your colleagues because <laughs> you know I mean, a bit like it's just a bit like the acting profession it's a bit really. like the acting profession yeah exactly but like you know what can i say like not not it's amazing the the the, the range of characters that you get in medicine is just staggering you know it's a kind of slice through the type a spectrum of human behavior you know yeah. every every kind of you know type a individual is in there um and in a way you've got to find the space that matches your particular brand of 
nerdery, mm. you know. Uh, <clears throat> and I don't think I could ever really quite match that up. It's, for some it's, it's constantly hard, though. I think in whatever profession you go into when you're working in close proximity with different characters, it's about, about balance of personalities and knowing when to go to war, knowing when to keep shut, knowing when to pipe up and raise your opinion. And, you know, it's a constant Absolutely. juggle. You, well, you you always see it in um, rehearsal spaces, don't you? You know, the, the actors that kind of know when to hold them and when to fold them. Yeah. You know, because... And the ones who know when to fold them, you know they're kind of going, I'm, I just know how to deal with this. Like, I've... I've got I've got secret access to this this en- this engine bay, you know. Yeah, and it's not via the bonnet. You know what I mean? Like they'll 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 they'll, they'll have something else that they're they're going to do, and it's kind of experience, but it's also kind of confidence and knowing that it isn't that insecurity doesn't it doesn't kind of find comfort in that as always find comfort in public expression. No, and it's so interesting uh, and really important. And and I started doing this some years back, is to just sit back and then you can gain knowledge from both ends of the spectrum (laughs) and go, ah, okay, yeah, that that, that might have been Mm. me a few years ago. I really hope that's me in a few years' time because I'm (laughs) learning from that. And there'll be one other person in the room who's like you who's also quite quiet and you kind of go, yeah, you're you're, you're also watching. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So was it your Um, love of theatre that was the first passion? No, not at all. I was... um, I was, I'm late to this. I'm really late to this. I, I, I was, um, well, I, I directed a show at the, uh, this is, <laughs> this, I don't know what I've started there. This sounds like this is where I started. This is not where I started. I, I, a couple of years ago, I directed a show at the RSC and I walked, I walked into the auditorium and I saw this, um, woman in her fifties mm-hmm. who went, hello, do you remember me? And I was like, oh God, I do, but I can't remember from where. And she went, it's Miss Wood. I was like, oh my God, it was my primary school teacher. No way. Yeah. And she was the first person who cast me in a play. They did a like a school production of Oliver. At primary school? And she cast me as, at primary school, yeah. Wow. It turns out she was an actor. She was an, She trained as an actor and did it for a bit. And she told me she did a bit of TIE stuff. And then in her late 20s, early 30s, she was like, okay, I've, I've had enough. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to move into teaching became a primary school teacher and this was one of her first gigs so she still very much had it in her and looking back like she completely like she 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 knew what she was doing you know what I mean? yeah um and she just sort of wagged her finger at me and just sort of said um i always knew about you i always knew and i was like i didn't know about me i didn't know anything about me at that stage like, oh my I, god I, it was it was nuts it was not but she was like and I, I think i was i was a very shy quite introverted child i felt you know i grew up in a an, an, a, a a sort of strange part of the country in hampshire it's quite you know very undiverse so i think I, I mean i'm realizing now how much you kind of hide in those spaces the person that you are culturally actually by heritage you yeah know, because you sort of go you go into like kind of chameleon mode um and um you know, I think Nick Pinnock was talking to you about that 
yeah. um, when he came on the podcast. You know, it's just like, that's just a thing that you realise in retrospect that you do. Um, so there's this kind of like armour plating thing that that kids do to sort of drift through those spaces and to just kind of present a sort of facing edge that bends light round them in a way. Absolutely. So it's all about kind of stillness and quiet. So not exactly like a bullseye for this kid is an extrovert, we need to get him on stage. Um, and actually, even now, I wouldn't describe myself as an extrovert. I wouldn't describe myself as someone who is, you know, like a particularly, you know, expressive individual. No, you know? but the thing is, so many people are, you know, from the outside, if you say, oh, they're actors, oh, well, they just want to show off or they just want to be the centre yeah, of attention uh, as children and sometimes as as... as adults and it's just simply not true it's not it's not true it's just sometimes acting is the thing that unfortunately you have to do to to unleash that but to, most to of the time it, it's yeah. quite nice just to blend into the background exactly exactly that so and it's why i think you've got like it, it, it's why amateur dramatics is such an important part of the kind of the the consideration about what acting is as a sort of lifeblood for certain people it's about like the how, how you push into spaces in your own questioning of the world and your own questioning of yourself and explore things that maybe aren't you as much as you're exploring things that are mm -hmm. and and you know doing that in a way that is empathetically extending a kind of reach across to people who haven't had that experience at all you yeah know, like i mean an act you, of connectivity you, isn't it you can't mention amateur dramatics to me, I'm afraid. I was uh, I was politely asked to leave my amateur dramatics. Um, After your a, performance of Madame Arcati. Quite a young age. Um, I was quite vocal with a casting decision that I still believe. To this day, they got wrong and I was quite vocal about it. I shouldn't have. I should have basically blended into the background and just kept my young teenage mouth shut. Well, I would love to have seen your Othello... <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're not there yet <laughs> um but yeah so that was like that was the first thing that i did and i and i do remember the feeling of enjoying doing it and also the feeling of being slightly puzzled about why i was there and then and then yeah, that's the thing it's so i think it's, it's so Beautiful and interesting that when she saw you all those years later, she said, I always knew. Because I always it's sometimes knew. the ones yeah. on the outside that can see something in you, and whether that's uh, a teacher or a mentor or any sort of, of guidance to you um, at any age, they can see something that you can't. Yeah, and they can also see round the bit of you that's sort of tripping yourself up sometimes. I mean, like, I, I you know, uh, I, I wasn't really much of a reader at that time i wasn't in any way what you would describe as you know literary or anything like that i mean that's not really even now it's kind of a bit of a reach um but that so so that was coming from a kind of completely different space i think and i i over the next few years got really into science fiction right um and that was again a kind of hiding and exploring space around like what it is like to feel like you're in a world that you doesn't really feel like you're there but that you know you can kind of ask questions about how humans behave in those spaces like mm -hmm. that, that i think is the fundamental value of 
of science fiction, the, the like stories for me is like you can kind of ask simple questions through like complex, weird, refracting lenses. Um, I've, I've co-written a book with Jed Mercurio, Sleeper, which is um, about a bionic cop. And it's also about an old robot who returns through the process of aging back to their human state and returns to the process of imagining and storytelling and myth-making and remembering their own past. In other words, a kind of like, it's the birth of a naive. In a right. Way. And I think like as a 13-year-old, I was like, you know, looking at characters like Data in Star Trek going, that guy knows absolutely nothing about being a human and asks all these dozy questions. And they are the only questions that matter, you know. And I was like, I, I felt weirdly like this affinity with him, not because I didn't know what was going on, but because I didn't feel like at the centre of my own life in a way. Right. You know? Really weird. I'm just still kind of trying to piece together all of that stuff now. But, you know, acting was never about, like, look at me. Weirdly, acting was kind of about, like, I just, I have some questions <laughs> about why we're all here, what we're all doing. I have a lot of questions about all of this. But I a think, lot of questions. I think part of acting is asking questions. I, I always think, tell yeah. everybody, ask, ask, ask questions all yeah. the time. I ne- I'm so... Uh, of course, I'm deeply fascinated with human beings, which I think most of us are, with what makes characters tick. But also, I'm deeply fascinated with the the way that the industry works. And I, there's so many questions that I always ask, especially, uh, you know, the deep well that is um, the camera department. I'm just completely in awe yeah, of, yeah. of what they do and how. So, are you they one of those it. actors that hangs around the, uh, the 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 camera and goes, "Oh, what does that do?" Uh, I Where- used uh, I never used to hang around, <clears throat> but certainly on a bit of downtime, um, I would be wanting to know. And it was it was probably quite selfish of me because it was like I need to gain knowledge to know that when I'm in front of the camera, I need to know why they're putting that lens on for this certain yeah. take. And now, you know, if it's not, if the information isn't forthcoming, then I always ask. Well, that's where really we good. are I mean, and how tight we're going because then because it's to, like it really helps the, the sort of like yeah, like if someone's going, Craig, would you mind just can you just put your weight on your left foot? If you're kind of going, I know why you're asking, it's just a lot easier to let that in and just be like, yeah, cool, we can totally do that. It doesn't feel like an abstract thing. I think like when you get into a stage where you don't really know why notes are coming in, that's when it can get, that. that's when it can be a problem. So it's kind of, it's up to us, isn't it, to understand what everyone else is doing so we can help them do their jobs as well. Well, I think so. And also time is such a key player and you don't want to be messing about the shortcuts are kind of necessary after after yeah. a certain amount of time of, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of the years being on set and you go right okay i mean nine times out of ten mate they just tell me to take my shoes off because i'm too <laughs> i'm too tall opposite the other actor. too tall too just, can you take too, your yeah. shoes off again yeah it's yeah, fine yeah don't worry, i can do that yeah we've just got your little apple box to sit on craig absolutely if you the amount of times <laughs> it happens i mean to be honest i just carry my own apple box with me from the set yeah to exactly set, yeah you know? it's just got cp written yeah. on the side yeah, yeah. that's true yeah but yeah. I, I think it's important to and i suppose it's what i still love 
and I'm fascinated with from, from job to job, is the knowledge that you can gain. It's not like, right, you go in there, you set your stall up and that's what you do. It's constant change mm-hmm. and it's constant knowledge, but you just need to open your mouth and ask. And I think it's important. I really yeah. do. Yeah, I think it's in a in a funny way. I mean, I I didn't. Did you try? Did you go to drama school? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I, I'd love to hear your experiences of that because I mean, I've, I've directed shows at drama schools and I I, I did a, a bit of training at the National Youth Theatre when I was nineteen twenty, uh, but I didn't train formally as an actor, and so I I sort of feel like I've learnt on the job, really. Uh, you know, at, at the roadside kind of thing, and mm. I think. It's, it's interesting with training because once you've been on set or once you've been in a professional working environment, you kind of go, I don't think this reflects the training environment that much at all, you know, like particularly I, when it comes to screen. I, I don't well, know I, think, it... I think when it comes to screen, you kind of do what everybody else has done and you do learn on the job and that's the only way, you know. Yeah, that's right, yeah. You, you, you know, you start off you know if you're lucky uh, with a line as a day player and you're constantly yeah. going in awe of the yeah, world yeah, around yeah. you and, go, and everybody's busy and what's their job what's their name I don't yes. know, you know yeah and it can be overwhelming and the line yeah. comes out of your mouth like horse droppings doesn't it's it it's terrible. like like no one has ever spoken in the history yeah. of the species it comes out sideways like a jackknifing lorry doesn't it and you're yeah. like oh my god i'm never gonna work again and you know that everybody's looking at you and you've been up all night yeah. practicing yeah. this line yeah. a million different ways to make it sound the most natural yeah. and you know it comes out of your mouth and it is awful and the and clamp below is looking at you going that is the best guy we could find yeah yeah doesn't know right. anything about acting, right. but he yeah. knows what... He knows how to eat the lunch. He, and he, know, he knows how bad acting looks, and he's looking at you. <laughs> and you yeah. feel, you just shrink. Yeah, yeah, you shrivel, shrivel. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, no, I think you do. I think you learn... That's why, you know, talking about asking questions, I think that's a, a great way to learn on set. And any director or DOP or second or third anybody would take time to talk to you about it i mean as long as you're not there with a bloody notebook everybody's got a job to do don't be fucking don't be annoying (laughs) don't be a little pest excuse me but it really i bet i think that's it isn't it i think like there's something about acting that is about what what's the empathetic reach that's being offered like what what's the act of enlisting that's happening because of this piece of performance like who who are you talking to basically you know um like who's the audience who's the reader what's its function i suppose Mm. like i guess there's a sort of practical thing that i've always had in my head that I, i like i guess for me like the act of artistry is in the moment that it's received by someone you know uh, and what it does for them and to them and what that relationship is. So I guess it's like, I guess it's why like working as a director and as an actor, like you're, you're in different parts of the delivery mechanism for that, you know? I mean, like when it's it's never about just doing the one thing and being like, this is the way that I know how to express a thing. It's kind of more going, how do people receive things for me? So I guess like it's always about, in a much more kind of broader sense, is always about questions, I guess. Like, who, yeah. who's 
who's who's in receipt of what, you know. But I suppose that's where it begins with with yeah. the, with the questions. I mean, yeah. everybody has their own way of getting in, but I think initially it does start with. Yeah, a, I remember working with this questions. actor once who was just like, who turned up and at the read, <laughs> he just like he did he did this. It was like a theatre show, and he he just sort of did the read through. And at the tea break, he was like, I'm ready to go. And we, I was like, oh, okay, we'll go where? And he was like, no, I could go on stage tonight, man. I'm good to go. I'm sorry? And, yeah, and I, the preview one, the performance was exactly the same. After no six way. weeks of rehearsals, it had not changed at all. And he'd just kind of gone, this is my, this is what I'm doing. He'd like plugged himself into the machine and sort of hit download, you know. Wow, it was, I kind of, I, it was sort of. I was like, "Oh, really, really? What, what, what is anyone going to get out of that?" Like, and that's well, when it just becomes about ego. You know what I mean? Well, I was going to say, I don't know. Uh, well, good for you that you're ready to go, but <laughs> yeah, no one else is. And also, <laughs> and also, all, neither are you. It's yeah. all about sort of responding and being a member of a team, but but good yeah. for you that you're ready to go. Yeah, it's the hardest I, thing about film, isn't it, though? Like, you get half a rehearsal that isn't really a rehearsal. Yeah. And you're like, I mean, if you accidentally, to your detriment, get the lines right in that rehearsal, that's it. It's going to be a, it's going to be a crew show. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you've always got to, like, torpedo it to get a second go sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, but- I find that really hard. Yeah, I don't see. I do very little theatre. I probably do, and oh, th- th- not through any planning, but usually sort of every five or six years. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of due to do some, but I couldn't think. It's getting scarier and scarier. The longer you leave I... it, man. The longer you leave Mate, it. I know. The I know. wire gets higher, doesn't it? Yeah, like, it really, oh. really does. Um, but the Adrian's thing is, on, though, isn't he? Adrian's going to be. Yeah, he's, he's gonna he's gonna be in Hamlet at the Young Vic, yeah. which is gonna be very exciting. Yeah, and, are you gonna and, go along? Oh yeah, definitely. And Anna yeah. is on stage in Constellations at the moment. Did you get to work with Anna? Yeah, Martin, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did my first professional job with her. Oh, did you? Yeah, in eighteen seventy four. Let's just <laughs> now, now. <laughs> let's just go back a minute and just go back about training. First, I want to say about that guy that said that he's ready. I actually feel very sorry for him in a Me way too. because Me if too. he he's got his performance down then and it hadn't changed in all those weeks, he's still got a run to go, then it just turns into a job. You're just saying the lines. You're not sort of playing around. I mean, the whole part of theatre is, is to keep switching it up and switching yeah. around and, and investing in something, taking it away, learning what... Is working and what works one night won't work another night because it's it should be different, you know, because that's yeah. part of the enjoyment, surely. Absolutely. But also, like, you know, people fucking smell a rat, don't they, when they see something that's not been invented real time? You know? Well, the, yeah. I it's mean, it's just like, even if you know that you want to go to the theatre to watch some acting or whatever, like, there's a bit of the soul that resists something that you look at and go, that's not a real person in the world. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that, well, that, 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 they're just doing a thing and like... Yeah, think, they're, yeah they're doing their turn. Yeah, yeah they're doing, you know, you know. They've put, they put that bathroom in 15,000 times. Yeah. And they're putting it in again. 
And, yeah. And, you know, you know, I am in awe of, of actors who, you know, sort of give their life to the theatre and their love of the theatre. But, like, I couldn't do that. And, and I don't want to poo-poo theatre in any way because it's incredible and I'm so pleased it's coming back. But nine times out of ten... No, 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 that's an exaggeration. Let's say 50... Half the time I go to theatre, I'm disappointed. Yeah, I, that's sad. I it, think I know. I know what you mean. Do you know, know what I mean? mean? I think there's a kind of what, what's the, 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 what's challenging. I guess is that, like, from an actor's point of view, yeah, you get you know you get to really excavate something four weeks, five weeks. Then things get into performance, and then it becomes the next challenge, as you say, about like how do you keep it alive every time. But the third thing, which is kind of going back to what we talked about earlier on, which is like, what? Why have you bothered? Why, why is this show here? Who who cares basically? Like who who really cares about this? Um, and if you don't know the answer to that as a theatre maker or as an actor, you are half the people in the audience are going to not be able to answer that as well. Yeah, they're going to be like, why are we here? Yeah, you know what I mean. And like that, it can be anything. Like if you can if you can tell that something was made with passion and made because of like a series of emotional questions that people were really going like, we just, that is what this is about. You can feel the heat coming off a show like that. But if you don't, if you're just like, this is how you move these people around this play. This is how it goes together like a Lego set. Mm. Then it will be like the difference between looking at a Lego set and being able to make it or something. You know, yeah. Just feel and bland. I also really resent going to the theatre and it just Stinking up the space of it's the director's ego that is on stage and they're yeah. kind of not really servicing the script or supporting the actors. You just go, oh, this is about you. It's about you. and you, But also, it's about you and you haven't done it well. Yeah. Oh, like, my God. Oh. Like when, 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 you, when, when it's the... I am more than happy to watch something that's about the director's ego or vision if they've absolutely bullseyed it. And you're like, uh, what? And then you're seeing something completely new. You're seeing actors in flight. You're seeing like the afterburners on the whole thing. Yeah. And you're like, oh my god, who knew? You know, Romeo and Juliet could be that. Or yeah, something. But, but nine times out. But of it's, 10, never it's, it's, <laughs> it's never that. It's never that because yeah. that you, you'll if you come away thinking that about the director, you don't because you go, that was just extraordinary, and, I, and it took me somewhere yeah. else. And then you go. Wait a minute! What that director did—it was so unshowy. It was yeah, almost completely. It was like a bear trap that yes. I just like walked into. All of those. That that is that's exactly it. You know, it's like if you've got someone saying, <clears throat> "I, I, this isn't about me, but I do have a secret about this play, mm -hmm. and I do know, I do know how to deliver this with." with with heart fundamentally yeah because i mean I, I, I don't know about you but the number of times i've been in something i've just been like there is no heart in this fundamental the fundamental problem is the reason that people won't connect with this is because no one will find a way to care about anyone in it really but but you, um, know, you know that's at everybody has a part to play, and I'm not talking about the characters, there is a part to play during that four, five, six weeks rehearsal. And talk mm. about keeping it fresh. The, the last play I did, and it was only a 
a three-month run or something. It was like perfect time for me going yeah. back on stage after such a long time away. And we were sort of mid-way through what the run. What was it? What, what was the play? It was, it was Hangman, uh, Martin oh, McDonough's yeah. play. Amazing. And halfway through the run... We thought, oh, yeah, this is all going really well. The audience is really loving it. Sometimes it's a bit like a rock concert. They were laughing. They were cheering. It was great. And the director came backstage afterwards and gave everybody a, a real dressing down to say, I was out there tonight. You didn't know I was in. And you're playing to the audience. Mm-hmm. They're not in charge. You're in charge. Don't pander to them. It's you, you. It's it's embarrassing. So we all went. We all had to really go. Fuck! We've been lulled into this, thinking that yeah. oh, it's we've got, we're yeah. into a groove now, and it's fine. Well, no, you've still got to think about it. And it takes somebody on the other side, yes, to go. You better step up it, and he, and we did, and we and we we tweaked it, and we we turned it around. Thank Tightened God. Tightened it up. But it's so interesting that it is interesting, you, when you're it? in, even a short run like that, you cannot see when you're in the groove what's going on. You 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 relax too much into it, and that, therefore there's no jeopardy. Definitely, definitely. And then I think you've got you've got an audience going. I'm. You lose that final little bit of challenge that a really great play can offer an audience. They're kind of like, here's something you don't know yet, which you need rather mm-hmm. than this is kind of what you're expecting here's the badum ching which yeah. is presumably what that was yeah um but i mean unfortunately it's so much fun isn't it to <laughs> to, band- to, the, to like go hunting those gags i mean that's the it's the hardest bit in the world I mean, you see actors gag hunting on stage and the gag doesn't and the laugh doesn't come oh god and it's, t- it's uh, awful you know i mean how empty do they look you I, can see i mean you can see right into their soul <laughs> It's it's truly truly awful. It's like they're momentarily naked, like they've they've kind of you know fallen off the edge of the world or something. They've 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 basically sold themselves, and you know that the audience has kept the receipt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's at those moments I just look and I go, thank God I'm not on stage right now. (laughs) (laughs) Purely selfish act, really wank away, but my. God, I just want. Thank God, it's not me. I just Christ. want to just lie in the stalls and just sort of close my eyes and wish oh, I didn't. I hadn't shuddering, that. I'm yeah. shuddering. Yeah. <laughs> but talking about smelling a rat, yeah, you, the audience. I just think they know, they can tell, they can see, they can hear when it's not authentic and it's you're, it's you're just knocking out a midweek matinee. But, I, you know, I can hear it on radio. I can hear it yeah. so much more since I started this now. I've always been such a... had such a ferocious appetite for the radio and authenticity. And if someone's being interviewed, I might have said this before on here on one of the episodes, if someone's interviewing somebody and they're not listening to that other person or they laugh because that's where the cue says that they should laugh and yeah. you know it wasn't that funny you just uh, you've uh, lost me you've lost grim, me because grim. well yeah. because you're just walking on you're doing a, a a tired old wednesday matinee of a live recording yeah. on the radio Strap, strapping the symbols to your knees absolutely yeah yeah it's totally that i mean i i, I think like there is so much phoning it in and it's like the 
it's 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 actually really hard not because like the, it goes back to the thing you were saying about about any job about doctoring the, the the moment that a job not an individual acting job but the profession becomes a thing that you know how to do the other thing that comes with that is the allure of just sort of knowing how to do it and how get away with it like and you see like actors just slip into that space but you also see directors do it and you see writers do it and you see designers do it and you see people who work in creative spaces that don't have necessarily the space or time to genuinely reinvent things you or, know and they or, have to go like well this is where we usually put the camera so we'll put the camera here or simply they just don't have the fire anymore yeah and yeah. you know certain yeah. certain people in whatever position they hold become that job for hire mm. i'm employing that television director because he's a safe pair of hands and i know yeah. he'll do exactly that and he'll deliver what needs to be delivered and that person won't challenge the thing that we've set up here yeah yeah i think there's a lot of that i think the i mean going back to the kind of in inverted commas auteur director who's actually like placed some kind of intellectualism ahead of what storytelling is or what an audience needs yeah on the other side of that yeah you have the kind of like if we just put these pieces in this order, it tends to work. I haven't been fired yet. <laughs> it's so uninspiring, though. It man. is, isn't it? It's so depressing. It's so depressing. I mean, I think, like, you know, until the, you've got to just stop that somehow, you've got to keep that crack from going through the crystal. You know, even if it means that you do something else or you work in a different way to just mean that you don't have to subject yourself maybe to creative environments that sap your creative energy it's like you, you know there's yes. some kind of weird safeguarding thing that i don't think we really know how to do that means that but we i don't think hate ourselves at work yeah but i think we're constantly learning and you know and sometimes look and everybody's done this we've all accepted a job and we know full well we should not have accepted it. Should not be doing that job. And you yeah, should not be 100%, doing it. 100%. And I always say, you know, people say, yeah, but you know, as an actor, we've got no control. The, our only power is to our only power is to say yes and say no. Yeah. But the biggest superpower is to say no. It is. It because, is the only power, Craig. Exactly. Yes, it's the only power. Like the, the all we get. And that is about auditions. That's mm -hmm. about taping. All of those things. I mean, like, you know, how long have you been doing this? You know, I've been doing this for 10 years. Even now, 20. after 10 years, like a, like a chunk into a career. There you go, 20 years. So we've got 30 years between us. There's no one on this conversation who doesn't sort of shit themselves when they sort of want to say no to a tape. Mm. And, think, and feel like they won't ever work again. Certainly not with that casting director. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so we I, have to like, it's like caving, isn't it? We've got to fit ourselves through the narrow thing and be like, I don't think I want to do that. And I'm also going to say no and try not to hate myself and feel the collapse of like that side of my career. You know, it's like trying to push it into a space of professional confidence is an important step. And it's one that, you know, I'm I'm really conscious of trying to do and I'm really not very good at but i'm trying no, no but know. it's really difficult because you can't how long do you keep walking into situations with cap in hand or apologizing yeah. you can't do that at all because yeah. uh, you know it's about knowing your own self-worth and not 
being arrogant with it or cocky because you you've got something to learn. But also, what I think what everybody needs to remember sometimes is you ha- you all everybody's got something to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Think about why we all started this in the first place. You've got something to bring. So whenever we have, you know, those those breakdowns in in confidence, which everybody has all the time, and thinking, oh, well, that's it then. If if I if I say no to this, that they're, they're going to be really upset with me because they'll think, well, who 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 do they think I am to turn this down? It's and it's not about that. You could be turning things down for a myriad of reasons. Some of them yeah. could be personal. Some of them could be professional. But it, I, do you do you send reasons for not doing tapes? I I mean I've I I don't know whether because I th- I think this is a really like for me like quite an interesting space professionally because i'm like you know if, if someone goes you know do you want to tender for this piece of trade and if i say no i shouldn't really have to tell you why i don't want to tender for it but in our trade in our line of work if you don't the risk that you run or this is I'm, this is the story that i'm telling myself that i yeah. want to get out of you know what i mean um is that you'll be branded as, as you say, ungrateful, as a person who's arrogant, who is like above their station yeah. in some way. So I so I kind of go, like, is it the right thing to then just be in contact with those people and say, look, the reason I don't want to do this is this. And then there's a bit of you that's also then feeling like, as you say, like you've just completely stripped yourself of professional autonomy but to I be think, able to say no. It's quite, but, I find it quite a hard space. But I think the most professional thing to do, if you have no intentions of doing it, or, you you know, look, it could be loads of reasons. You might go, do you know what? I don't connect with that part. I have played ten versions of that part in the yeah. last seven years. Um, or maybe you just go, do you know what? I need to challenge myself more, and that's just a bit... And it's not about that it's too small. It's like, mm. I can't go in and do that for a bit because... I know I can do it. Yeah. I know I can do it, and it's not going to challenge me. So um, how do I express that without coming across cocky or arrogant or big-headed yeah. or full of myself or yeah. whatever you think? Because we're all worriers. We know, if we're honest, we're all worriers, and we want to sort of not even project. We want to be the best possible person that we can be to go into a job and be a part of that team. Exactly. Um, so what do you do? I, I think... What it boils down to is having, and this is a purely personal thing, is having a, a completely transparent relationship with your agent, who is who is your you know your right hand man, your right hand woman, your part of your yeah. don't want to get American about it, but, but your team. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Who, who yeah. are there for you? They they're the ones that have got your back, mm. and you know if then they turn around and say, I've read this. And I think you need to go back and have a look at it. And yeah. you know that I wouldn't say this unless I really feel you should do this because... And it might be because, do you know what? This director, I've seen directed this. You haven't seen it yet, but I have, and they're going to be great. And I think you two would connect and work very well together. So it, yeah. it's... it's or, you know, it's what balance. they want to do is they want to talk to you about that because they want they don't want you to do the thing that you think they want you to do. Or something, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. It's. Um, I think that. I think you're totally right. I think it's so like that. That agent relationship 
I mean, I, I, I have it now and I, I had it, I've had it in the last, really in the last kind of six or seven years. But again, um, that, sorry. But before interrupt, that, it's really hard. It, that's another thing that takes time, yeah. I think, because as ever, you know, it's like when you're, um, you're coming out as a teenager and you're, you're, you've just stepping over to be 15, 16 and then you, everything's changing, your body's, this is a new body and your voice is different <laughs> and your feelings are growing and what's that? Oh, that's a bottle of cider. Oh, there's a girl, she's not... Oh, I can't cope with all this. You know, it's again as you're growing up. <laughs> are you describing your experience at the Royal Court there, Craig? Is yes, that- <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're constantly growing and constantly learning and relationships change and we settle hopefully at times and i think that that um you know actor agent relationship does take time yeah to to bed in and you have to you know look my god it's a relationship so it's like any relationship it's a a, a friendship or a, a loving sexual relationship it takes time you have to go through different relationships to find out what works for yeah. you and, 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 and what, who the, you are i guess there's also the bit isn't there where you go do you know i I don't think this is working. I don't think this is right, you know? And I I remember like I get because I've been I've been sacked by two agents and I've had two agents retire. Right. Um so I've had a good run, but like I've never left an agent myself. Which is an interesting way to go to a new agent because you kind of go, look, you know, I'm just kind of a free agent here. Mm. I'm just manning the pumps myself, you know. Um but I've been so aware of the shift in the dynamic each time I've gone to someone new and not always in a good way. But I, but I remember like one agent that I was with who I used to absolutely dread phoning. As in like it would be, a, a, you know, a good period of time just stealing myself for that phone call and being kind of relieved when they weren't available oh my god imagine if that was imagine that's how you conducted your whole professional no not even your professional life your relationships in your personal life yeah it's like a totally like it's completely wrong and like i think when you're just starting out you have no idea that that's not what it should be no not at all you're like that weirdly makes sense because i'm kind of a piece of shit and I'm just completely starting, and I should be treated in this way. And everybody it's else is better than me anyway. Yeah, everyone's, everyone's better than me. They, they, they really shouldn't be spending any time talking to me at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's the level of, like, self-worth that you're bringing. And then over, like, a period of many, many years, you kind of go, actually, do you know what? This, it, it, can, it, it can and needs to be this different thing where actually they do like what you do and they respect what you do. And you begin to really go, I actually respect what they do. Mm. And this is this is a working relationship, as you say. Um, and then you're right. I mean, I, I, I have a lot of really um, fun and fruitful conversations with my agents about these sorts of things, or, or not about these things, but in this space, you know, we're just kind of working out how to navigate the journey and like the that you like what's next and what feels like a good thing to do um, and not to worry about it too much, you know, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's... Uh, worries should be shared, I think. Yeah. Especially, you yeah. know, certainly, you know, in a professional capacity like that. Do you feel like we, as actors, don't do it enough? I mean, I think it's one, one of the reasons why... In what way, sorry? Well, I think there's lots of, like, chat in the green room and lots of, like, whinging in each other's three ways and stuff. But, like, conversations like... 
um, just actually getting into how we're treated at work, how we're treated by bad agents, how we, you know, the, the, the things that represent autonomous professional decision-making, those sorts of things, they, they're not conversations that happen with regularity or with depth. No. And they're not conversations that happen early on, early on enough in, in people's careers, I don't think. No, I remember when... Oh, what should I? Should I? Yes, I should. I'll, I'm, yeah. I need to be completely honest. So years and years and years ago, I did my first film and it was a really horrible experience and I felt mm. awful. And I, I just, it was just awful. Um, and it was a lovely production. I mean, it wasn't, but we're in Italy and it was great. And the backdrop was fantastic. And, okay. uh, and the majority of the actors there were gorgeous. And um, I mean... A very odd little film, but still very nice wine at your lunch um, table, <laughs> which they don't do over here. They um, really don't. No, because, you know, camera department have fallen asleep by half past three, so all the shots are just <laughs> completely yeah. out of focus and, the, and, and quite literally on the piss. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it got to the edit, and I got a phone call saying, oh, uh, they, they really liked your character. And I went, well very odd considering the way I was treated by this director um, and they want you to do a voiceover for the whole film I'm, I wonder if I've said this story before anyway I'll, I'll say it again and they said they're going to offer you X amount of money it was a very minimal fee and I went no because I'm still really hurt by yeah, you treated me like shit on that film I, yeah. yeah, you got drunk and told me you didn't even want me you wanted to cast another actor in front of the whole in front of the whole crew and the cast on a table. And I just went, great, I feel awful. And I was only young, I was only in my 20s. So I had, nothing, wow. I had no, nothing to back up that I was all right and I would deserve the part, you know what I mean? And then um, I remember Well, you saying, were looking for things to confirm the fact that you'd been cast as a mistake, like in error. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the word. You know what I mean? You're, you know, you're kind of going, you're waiting for someone to tap you on the shoulder and be like... It's okay, Craig. We know you can you can step off now. <laughs> we'll take you to but the airport. But it's, that, but it's that constant thing when you know sometimes you know when we get off a job and they go, "Oh my, they must have made a mistake. They don't mean yeah. me. They must mean so and so. They must mean somebody else. Surely you yeah. know, constantly after that, don't we? Yeah. And anyway, then I get a phone call from the casting director saying, oh, "This is re- this is really good. This will be really good for you to do. So you should do it." And I went. But what for basically two pound fifty? No, I'm is not gonna, it good for me or is it? Is it good I mean, when anybody says that, you know, yeah, and <laughs> she, and it was a personal call. She got so angry with me on the phone, and it was such a cliche. She went, "You're never going to work again." Oh, she said it. She said the words. Yeah, and put the phone down on me. Wow, I know. And um, I'm so looking up that film now. Then I'll tell you what off air, and then. <laughs> yeah. um, then my, oh my agent God. at the time got really angry with me. Uh, so I thought, I don't really like how I'm being treated, so I'm going to leave you now. I don't know where I got the balls oh, from to do you. this. good for you. Good for you. And then... I've never, I've never done that with a... I, I was, yeah. I mean, it was, I, it was going that way respect. anyway. It was, quite, it was starting to be quite an... Un, this is way back. It's starting to be quite an unhealthy sort of working relationship anyway for both of us, so it wasn't working. And then I ended up speaking to the producer in Los Angeles on my own and I we negoti- I negotiated a, a much much larger fee 
to do this voiceover. And I thought, oh, right, well, I've achieved something here, mm. even though I've got yeah. a very high-profile casting director saying I'm never going to fucking work again. Yeah. Which is terrifying, I mean, you, But it's you like know? sometimes you are your own best representative. Well, yeah, this I mean, really I, hard to know I know, I know an actor who didn't have an agent um, and he was offered two plays and two fantastic plays that he really would, you know, he really needed to do them. He really wanted to do them. Um, and there was an overlap of a week or 10 days. And in that, you know, there's no movement in, in theatre. It's not like filming. Yeah, it's like, yeah. they, they, you know, well, they're married to this. <laughs> and he was playing them both off and negotiated. And he got to do both of those plays and he did it all himself. And I, and I, I believe to this day, uh, he still doesn't have an agent, but he has a lawyer that, uh-huh, that uh-huh. negotiates certain certain things for him with contracts. And it, that's just the way that that seems to work for him, which is fucking such a great move. It is amazing, isn't it? It takes you takes quite a while to get to a place where you're you actually like acknowledge what a representative for you is doing, which is exactly that, isn't it? It's like they've got to represent you, mm. and it's like if if you don't feel like they're going to do that, they should be nowhere near you. Like, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean. I, I I remember talking to an agent once who was like, "I just think we need to just like do this and just get this thing signed." Uh, not and not an agent that I'm currently working with in 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 our business, but um, and I've just sort of thought to myself, like, what what level is this about the needs of your client? You know, um, and it's really sad that it's really sad because I think you know, like for so many actors, myself included, it's taken so long to get to a place of like, oh, okay, like I've got a really great relationship with my agent now, but, and I can but- really have these conversations. You know, yeah, but I think open. I think it does take time. I really yeah. do. You know, some people are very lucky and they're with their first agent yeah, from whether yeah. they graduate from drama school or they didn't, and they've they've been with them for like twenty years, and it's great, and that's fantastic. It's rare. Yeah. It's very yeah. rare. But yeah. just going back to that, you know, relationship. It is a relationship. It's fifty fifty. You know, I constantly mm. ask my agent, if we're looking at scripts or certain jobs, and I go, well, what do you think? Because sometimes I, I just can't get any perspective on things. And yes. sometimes I may be reading things with, with different glasses on and I shouldn't be reading it in that way. So I need somebody who I respect and I trust to go, what do you think? I, I'm constantly asking, like, oh, what do you think? Do you think I'm doing the right thing here? Is yeah. this right? You know, you and need... also they've been having conversations about that project probably mm-hmm. for some time with yeah. that casting director. They've probably been talking about other roles. They've got like a bit of an insight into what the need is. And if they're sort of, if you really trust them and you go, it's got as far as you, there's something in the kind of that little nut of questions that means it is worth a look, you know. Rather than, I mean, do you know what? One of the things that I don't think I could ever really do is is pilot season in the States. That right. kind of like, you know, seven, eight auditions a day, yeah. just loading yourself in the elephant gun and firing yourself around town, getting changed in your hire car. I'm just like, I don't understand what that is, really. It's, like how I, you could be, you know. I think it's um, it's a great skill. And it's, yeah. not, and it's certainly not something... Uh, I possess. And it's I, not, I, 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 I've, I, it's I, not a I, skill that I have. I've yet. done it. I've done it once, and in the end, I had to just go. 
can you please not send me any more scripts? Because yeah. I just can't do it. I don't, know, not, I don't know what I'm saying now I'm, anymore. I'm just I don't juggling know what I'm yeah. all this, and I'm not a machine. I, yeah. I can't just sort of learn it like that. I need to have some sort of emotional connection. I just can't definitely give you this um, the, these ten pages. Um, and it makes you wonder what are they actually looking for? What are they looking at? You know, it's really interesting. Like I, 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 I mean, I, it, it's interesting with self tapes. I mean, it's 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 another. It's another one of those spaces, I think, as an actor that are kind that have sort of been taken over a little bit by, I guess, a kind of dogma or a type of mythology around how they need to be done. Otherwise, like, there's going to be trouble or oh. there's nothing, you know, and it's like, come on, guys, like, that's just not what it is. We all know it's not. But it, it, but it just generates so much tension, I think, for actors. You know, well, like, did, you've did, got you to have read, these did you read? Did you read what? Kit, um, you know? Did you read what uh, was distributed from Equity early this yeah. week? Yeah, which I did. I thought was fantastic. I'm, I'm not going to go into it now, but I will um, do some bullet points on the intro of uh, of this episode uh, because I think it's vital. And healthy it, and it really, really important yeah. for everybody, particularly the stuff around weekends. You know, when a tape arrives on Friday at four. for Monday, yeah, and you're like, "That's, you know, it's just not fair. It's not on." You know, um, but also like, you know, if you do have to do an emergency tape and they do come up, you know, like we were talking about earlier on, uh-huh. okay, an actor's dropped out or whatever it is, and they just need to whatever. Like, it just needs to be possible to kind of fire it off on your phone and to not feel like you are going to therefore do a bad job because you haven't got, like, a bounce and a light and a backdrop and a person to read with. I mean, I, I just I just record the other side on Line Learner and just well, play it out of my phone. Yeah, know? I mean, I think that's brilliant. When I've, I've had to do... When I can't get anybody, like, certainly, you know, I've been doing offlines with friends on Skype or FaceTime. Yeah. Um, I've gone, I'm really sorry, but this is going to be a monologue. It's just going <laughs> to, I'm just, you're going to have to sort of broaden your minds a bit here and it's going to be a yeah. monologue because yeah. I, I, I have nothing else. And, but also equally, uh, going back to the power of saying no, if you don't think you're going to do or be presented in the best possible way and the best light, don't do it. I would sooner mm. not do a tape than, or have someone watch a tape that I've done, and that's oh their God. lasting image of me. Yeah, no, like, I mean, I, don't, hi- I won't sleep. Yeah, we had high hopes for this tape from, you know, but 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 oh my God, it was awful. I mean, it's like, I mean, who you do not want to be in that space? Oh no, my God, yeah, not at yeah. all. And it's so easy to end up in that space with material that you don't know, you connect with. All of those things, you're like, I don't, you know, all those weird tapes where there's no lines. It's like a fight scene and a bit of grunting or something. No. And you're like, I'm not, I, it just, I'm just like, it's humiliating. It's just not, it's, it's just like. not going to happen. I, I mean, I'm not, you can call me arrogant. I'm not going to be in yeah. my living room going, yes. yeah. <laughs> it's just, oh. Fight, fighting with a cushion off your sofa, no, you know, or I'm something. So, it's just like, what is I'm that? sorry. I'm yeah. really sorry, but obviously I'm not the man for the job. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it's so like, it's. So, I mean, I got shouted at by a casting director once because I like had a whole period where I didn't have an agent, which was bizarrely quite busy. 
don't really know why, but like I was I was understudying at the National Theatre and I, I, I was writing to people and and like I couldn't get an agent from there and um uh and before that I'd done this play at the Arcola in East London. Yeah. And um this agent came to see it. They're still working now. And um uh and I phoned them up the next day and they said, um oh, it's a very good play, but I mean uh you know, the main bit that you did, I mean, it was the lighting was very dark and obviously you're very dark. And I was like, whoa. Oh, hello. Hello. Shots fired. Um, and I was like, oh, I, th- I, th- I think I have a feeling <laughs> this might not be. <laughs> I don't think we're going to work. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to really work. <laughs> and um, yeah, so there, so I was kind of going, I mean, I started like the process of like, am I going to, am I going to buy books on like media law? And like do it myself because I just don't seem to be able to like get get Break represented. Through, yeah. yeah, and I, and then I was just like, do you know what? Actually, I'm actually doing some jobs that I quite like, and I'm enjoying and I'm learning a shitload doing. And maybe that's just the job. That's the job, isn't it? The job I think sometimes can be like, I mean, particularly for you know, drama school grads and stuff, it can be about the agent. And I think it's very easy, maybe 10 years down the line to go, that isn't what the job is. But at the same time, it can really rapidly overtake the sense that acting is a 45, 50, 55 year life. Yeah. You know, and a lot of that time, you're going to be repped maybe by the wrong people or not repped at all, or feel like you need to step into a space where people love and cherish what you do in a way that you really understand and connect with like whole sections of your career are going to be in, in that space if 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 you're not lucky so yeah but yeah. also you know you want to be looked after by someone who is going to pull you up and exactly. and, and yeah. say do you know what you're out of order here. you're behaving like an absolute shit pull your socks up do better don't be go and take basically someone who is as honest with you in every aspect of your work. Because, again, going back to it, it's a relationship. Yeah. You know, you don't want someone that's going to tell you that you're great all the time when you're acting and behaving like an absolute dick. Or just sort of phoning it in. Yeah, you know? step I mean, up. I, I mean, I can remember, like, I did this I did this play, and I think, you know, I was sort of happy with it, I guess. But, interestingly, the, the, this agent had brought along this casting director who years ago had shouted at me on the phone for ringing them up about a thing when I didn't have an agent. Um, and this um, casting director looked like they wanted to shoot themselves at the end of this play. <laughs> it was really not, it had not been the greatest night of their life, I don't think. Yeah. Um, and um, my my agent, who was so economical with uh, their kind of turn of phrase, just sort of said, well, I just found that very daunting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Good say night. no more, say no more. Yeah. Let me just get my train because <laughs> <laughs> I think someone's ringing the bell. So yeah, yeah, you need that sometimes. You need a kind of like this was this was you know we all knew we all knew and. Here we are. But it's so good, you know, for someone to uh, step up and give you a reality check because you, we all get a bit lost sometimes. And who who else will? Well, you know? sometimes it's not even your friends because that's they don't see that as that's not their position to do that. But you particularly know, not like friends from work, 
like friends in the business. Oh, you know, Jesus, just, God, no, no. You know, it's just like, that is the hardest thing. That is the hardest thing. When you know that you're in something, when you know you're in a dud and everyone knows you're in a dud and no one really quite knows what to do. But then you've got a mate from the outside world who sort of comes around to stage door and is like, oh my God, that was a terrible, yeah. terrible show. And you're like, finally, you feel seen, you feel released from it, from but this the, kind of fakery. That well, you you know, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's only a job and you will get through it. Mm. It's like when you're having a really hard time uh, personally, not professionally, and you feel as low as you possibly can. And I think it's happened for a lot of people, certainly over the last 18 months. You're going to come through it eventually. You can't see it at the time, but, you know, the curtain will come down and you'll move mm. on. And you'll, yeah. I tell you what, you'll have learnt a lot about being in a dud. Oh, I, I mean, I've been in a lot of duds. I, I think I need to just go back and <laughs> reflect on the learning, but you're totally right. No, I mean, God, yeah, that definitely. Is, it's, it's where you... It's where you understand why people might be forced into a position where they behave badly in a professional space, you know. If you're in a joyful show and everyone's having a great time, it's sort of like your experience at the Royal Court, you know, it can it can freewheel off into this other space. I think sometimes the duds, you're right, they do they do tell you like why, you know, why has this not worked? Like yeah. why have people decided to be in this? Like what are the pressures that force actors to do work that they don't want to do? What does that mean on set? What, how How is that but, dealt but, with? How do you avoid that? You equally, know? on, the, on the, the flip side of the coin, you could be in a theatre um, show that you know is not working or you're in a TV show that isn't working, but you may have had the best time trying to create it. Mm. And even you, you're really sad that it's over. And it, yeah. in some ways, that can just sort of pull everybody together and you can become a really positive unit. So it's, it's, yeah. it's really difficult. You can never predict these things, can you? I think yes, that's the joy right. that keeps everybody going. Yeah, it's, you, yeah, you never know where, I mean, I think one of the biggest turkeys that I was ever in had one of the happiest companies. Yeah, you see? You know? And loads of us are mates even now. And actually, it was it was nothing to do with the fact that it was a bit of a dud. It was just that everyone in it just had a really good heart and tried their best. Well, you, you know? see, that's when a, an amazing casting director comes in because they've just yeah. picked everybody who's just going to gel and it's just yeah. every, there's a lovely complicity and everybody's yeah. balanced. Absolutely. They're and like, this is not going to bust the ratings, so let's just make sure everyone has an okay time. Yeah, and, and, and make sure everybody's <laughs> really nice and really decent. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there was, no, there was one, there was one individual in it who just wasn't nice and... um they weirdly like they just didn't step up when they needed to and it it really like weirdly the group just kind of went okay you know that's how you want to drop it all right but that's, it's it was a shame really, it was really noticeable and yeah. it was like you're you know that that decision that professional decision has been like startlingly revealed by the 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 the, the spirit within which it's emerged you know the spirit of positivity and attempt and hope that it's that that's come out of is really like in stark relief but it know? just it really upsets the balance and then yeah uh, but also it shines a light 
on that individual where everybody else is going, oh, you're not we because oh. we were gonna we were going left and you wanted we to all go thought right. That it was this, but okay, you know, you want to, uh, yeah, completely, completely. And you're like, why are you here? And so for me, I was like, I've often, I guess, wondered about why. I wouldn't say often, but at the time, I was like, why are you doing this job? Like, what's the what's in it for you? Like, it's a you know, it was a theatre job. That's not a huge reveal. So it's not like you're going. This is changing your life financially. Mm-hmm. You know. This is probably costing you, yeah. in fact, to do this job. Well, nine times out of ten, yeah. It really is. You're yeah. kind of subsidising it, yeah. basically. Um, so, yeah, you're like, what, what is it? What, where, where, where are you achieving fulfilment here? Because it's certainly not in your actions, and not it's not it's not written on you. It's so, it was so weird. I couldn't quite work it out. I was like, what's the what's in it for you? But again, it's like what we were talking about at the start of this conversation. The questions that you asked as a doctor and sometimes there just isn't an answer and again you know we come back to <laughs> yeah. a full circle yeah sometimes you can ask these questions and you go well i've just got to stop asking that because i'm never gonna know I'm why i know yeah and it's almost not it's not to be asked it's just like yeah it's just how it is sometimes people are in different times of their life not everyone's able to and you know i guess like maybe we've all been there maybe we've all been like the person who's not quite been able to step up in a moment where they needed to, you know, oh, it's just, oh, it's I, what it is, isn't it? I mean, you know? I think if we're honest with ourselves, we've, we've all, we've been, all there, been there and we'll probably be yeah, there again we'll, sometime. We'll be there again. Uh, Prasanna, yeah. this has just been an absolute joy. I mean, we could carry on. There's so much yeah. more that we could talk about, but um, let's have a, a few months break and then let's do it again. I'd love that. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. It's been such a dream. Mate. And I do love your podcast. And, it's, and that thing that I was saying about, like, you know, do actors talk to each other enough and are there spaces where actors can kind of engage in other parts of the conversation adjacent to the actual work and I think you know I feel like your podcast is in that space like it just sort of offers up different kind well, of thanks takes man. on things you know I, I really appreciate really it because so. you know there's so many other long-form interview podcasts where actors can come on and talk about their jobs and talk about certain anecdotes or sell mm. sell that and it's not about that it's this is it's never yeah. it's never been about that for me yeah i think it's much it's much more kind of about how how tough it can be and and how it can be tough in quite secret ways and that is just a good it's a good thing to talk about it's a good thing to open up you know what i mean absolutely um, yeah. Well, I can't and thank also, you enough. And also how much fun it can be and how much of a joy it is. But, you know, we'll, we'll get on to that. But also, yeah, we, but also doing this, it's it's really nice for us because now we've met and yeah. we know a bit more about each other. And exactly. then we'll move on. Yeah. And we can, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully at some point get to, get to do a job together. That would be fun. Well, wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. Well, here we go. We live in hope. Simon, you take care, man. I'll thank you. You so too. Much. Lots of love. Good Lots luck with your love. job. Cheers, man. Take care. And another episode is done. And what a delight Prasanna is. Um you know uh when uh, sort of broadcasters go, Oh, we could have spoke for ages and Sometimes I just go, I'm just trying to end it. No, we generally could have spoke phrases. There's so much more that we wanted to talk about. 
Um, and I'm sure we'll do that again at some point. Uh, and, and you know me, I only say that when I really mean it. Sometimes I just want to get them off the line. I don't. I, I really enjoy having the conversation with everybody that I do. Um, Prasanna was an absolute delight, a real, real delight. Um, and so interesting and interested, uh, which is so key. Now, you may have heard that uh, he touched on very briefly, sort of midway, early midway through the conversation, that he's collaborated with Jen Mercurio on a graphic novel. It's called Sleeper. It's out now. Um, this isn't the podcast to, to sell your wares. He knows that. Jed knows that. It will probably kill me, but... Uh, Google it. Google Sleeper by Jed and Prasanna and... If you like your sci-fi, you like your graphic novels, then pick it up. Go and check it out. Um, people have been enjoying it. Uh, so, yeah, do it. Do it. Now, speaking of... Do you remember in the intro, I was talking about the equity code of conduct for... Code of conduct. Code of conduct? Code of... See, that's how relax down from uh, Bob Ross's painting uh, film. It's not called a code of conduct. It's actually called a code of best practice for self-tape. I just think I should be aware because this uh, has come from equity. I'm just going to give you a few key guidelines from the code if you're unaware of it and not if you're not interested in this and don't worry just just turn off or fast forward so the turnaround time for self-tapes casting directors should aim for a four-day minimum turnaround with a maximum of six pages to learn in that time that's just six pages i think we've all had many more than six pages certainly over the past 18 months a minimum turnaround for three pages or less would be three days. That's that's good. That's fine, isn't it? We can do that. No artist should be asked to learn more than six pages for a first self-tape, and there must not be more than two different roles asked for in one self-tape and no more than two scenes for each role with no more than two versions of each scene. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and... Well, we should put a link up to this as well so you can get in. Right, okay, this is interesting one, right? This is another clause. If a self-tape is asked for on a Friday that it will not be due back until the following Tuesday, which is good news. You know, me and Prasanna touched on it, then if something's sent at 4 o'clock on a Friday, it's got to be in at 10 o'clock on a Monday. There's a lot of pressure, especially it's the weekend. We have a life. We have families. There's things to do. Now, it goes on. If the intervening Monday is a bank holiday then the self-tape will not be due until the following Wednesday and no self-tape request will be sent out on a bank holiday Friday. Any self-tape request sent out on a Thursday immediately prior to a Friday bank holiday will not be due back until the following Wednesday. <sighs> Look, there's so much that goes on. 
the stuff about the CDG, um, about telling performers yes or no, that's the Casting Directors Guild. Um, but it's about turnaround. It's, yeah, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to send this link and we can put it in the blurb on wherever you get your podcasts. Anyway, sorry, I just wanted to... There's nothing worse than saying, oh, I'll talk about that in the outro and then you never do. Anyway, I just thought I'd do that. I'm sorry if uh, I banged on about that too much, but it's uh, it's, it's an important read, I think, for everybody. And, uh, yeah, look... Thank you so much for downloading and subscribing and being here, telling your friends, supporting us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know where we are, at Two Shot Pod. Uh, losing my voice. Um, if you want to drop us an email, you can do that. It's twoshotpod at gmail.com. We always love hearing from you. And uh, supporting us on Patreon, if you can do that. Throw us whatever you can. You know it's a truly independent podcast. And uh, we listen to you. More great guests coming up week in, week out. And not just actors. What have we got coming up? Uh, I have got a female chef who... Yeah, I'm not going to say too much. An, an incredible female chef. I have got an incredible author who is now... Yeah, he's branching out. He's coming into uh, the television world with uh, something that is being adapted by someone who is very respected and loved by many past guests on this podcast, actually. Uh, I've got uh, a chef, uh, an alchemist, a magician, some may say. And we're going to be tasting some of his food coming up. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's all kicking off. I'm really excited with what's to come, and I hope you are too. And look, thank you so much for being here. And, well, we'll see you next week. Until then, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care of yourself. I'll see you next week. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>